Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Game Plan, a playbook for winning law firms. I'm Scott Clayson. I'm your co-host, and Joyce Bradford, as always, our uh, um, esteemed other co-host. Welcome, Joyce. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. I love that. That's going to be my title. I'm going to put it on a shirt, the, your other co-host. <laughs> That's right. That is sort of a, like, I, I suppose I could introduce that a little better, my other, my only co-host. Um, our mission, uh, as, as those who have joined us before know with this podcast, is to bring you the insights, strategies employed by winning law firms who've figured out how to successfully run their firms as a thriving business and leveraging all those amazing tools that we have out there today. This 15-minute or so podcast, we our goal is that by the end of the podcast, you, you'll walk out with... Um, a good nugget of information, at least one that uh, you can put to action and help at your law firm. So today we're gonna we're gonna stay a bit a bit seasonal, which we we've done with our last couple of podcasts. Um, since it is the the you know kind of the warm time of the year, let's put it right. Um, yeah, that's right. And but for a lot of businesses, actually, this tends to be um, kind of the slow time of year um, where you may have time to reflect on you know, where, where your business is, where you want it to go. Um, and for the, our today's topic, believe it or not, start planning for 2023, January of 2023. Um, so Joyce, you know, you're, you're an attorney, you're, you've consulted with hundreds, thousands, maybe hundreds, maybe hundreds, <laughs> uh, hundreds of Minimal, all Minimally hundreds, minimally hundreds. At some point I'm going to be comfortable saying thousands, but I've not counted them all yet. But right. We're, we're right. on the path. Yeah. <laughs> So you, you know, and you, you know, I think it's fundamentally important that like, hey, you, you warn the lawyer head as well, right? Um, but why is, why is now, you know, here in the, in the summer, the, the right time to start thinking about January other than like, you know, new year, new you, you know, like uh, all of our resolutions that we, you know, don't keep in through February. Yeah, no. Great, great question, Scott. And honestly, it's exactly what you just said, because new year, new you, new firm. It's what we say every single year, right? Every single year, we say we're going to be better next year, we're going to grow more, we've got these resolutions. But the question is, how do you make those things happen? Um, and if you go into December, if you go into January, and you make your resolutions, and you say, this is what's going to happen, and there's exactly zero game plan, you're never going to be able to make that change. So what we see with successful firms who have experienced growth this year is they started planning back in the summer and the fall of the previous year. They said, these are the issues that we have. This is how we're going to tackle it. This is our systematic approach to making the right choice. And this is our timeline for implementation. Um, and without thinking about those things right now, that growth you want, those happy customers that you want, that increased wealth that you are personally trying to achieve next year is probably not going to happen. I think, you know, we all can agree to that. Hey, that sounds like, yeah, that's smart. I mean, sort of like we can all agree, like, you know, we should all be eating healthier and exercising more, right? But sure. where a lot of us get stuck is, um, where do I begin? Like, what's, I need a plan I need to, to figure out like what should I be doing first if I want to you know have that happier healthier law firm in, in 2023 yeah. so August let's say what would you do as a what should you be doing as a law firm in August in that prep that you just described yeah so I'm going to say something that's a little hippy dippy but that I firmly do, I, I believe it with my whole heart, is everyone needs to engage in a mindfulness practice. You need to understand where your personal roadblocks are and what's causing you pain. And you need to be uh, 
that self-aware with your law firm too. So uh, if you bear with me and you want to just pause our podcast for 45 seconds, dear listener, and you think to yourself, just 45 seconds, close your eyes. What is making me mad during the day? When are my clients getting mad at me? When am I having to field angry paralegals and legal assistants? When are people's emotions causing them to respond to something in the firm rather than data causing them to respond to something in the firm? You can think of a dozen examples in 45 seconds about things that have made you mad in the past week, I am sure. Um, So pause, come back to us, (laughs) and then we can continue. But honestly, that's your first step. It's It's a thoughtful evaluation of where you are finding yourself riled up or where you were seeing a slowdown in your process. Um, And there are lots of different areas that we can go in um, and and talk about this. Scott, one of my favorite though is billing because this one is so ultimately quantifiable. Right. How many hours a week do you work? Right. So Scott, I think you and I both know how many hours a week we work. Right. And I think you and I, yeah. Right. (laughs) I think you and I generally for the most part are pretty happy with where we work and how we work. And I generally think that it's a pretty fair structure that I have. The amount of, of effort that I put in is pretty equal to the amount that I am given by my organization. But if our, our listeners are working 60, 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week, and they find that they're not bringing home the amount of wealth that they should, you got a billing problem, right? You're not billing enough per hour. You're not collecting enough or you have a collections issue mm-hmm. um, or you're just absolutely lowballing yourself. I mean, it, it, it could be a, a variety of reasons there. Yeah, you know, it's funny you bring that up and I think there's several takeaways from what you've just started to describe. One is, and this is the phrase that left to mind as you were describing taking that 45 seconds is, you work, you know, and I've heard this phrase a million times, like take some time to work on your business instead of like kind of at your business. So that remove yourself from the daily and step back and and look at your business and like work on how it's being run instead of just doing the at stuff. So that's, that's kind of the the one takeaway. The the other takeaway, when you talk about the billing part, especially, I mean, that's a great place to maybe start with your analysis is um, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of lawyers myself as well, who, and I've talked a lot of them about hourly billing versus flat fee billing and, and so on. And I, I talked to, and I'm excited. I, I'm very passionate about like getting away from the billable hour and how do you do it in a profitable way and don't be hung up on it. Well, I'm going to lose money if I, cause I don't know how many hours I'm going to have to spend on it if I charge a flat fee, so on right. and so forth. So when I do run into lawyers that, um, like, Hey, I charge a flat fee. I'm excited to ask them, like, how did you come up with the formula of what to charge? Yeah. And more often than not, I've heard, well, I either A, I charge as much as I think I can get away with. Right. Or I, you know, I, I just look and see what my competitors charge and I try to be a little bit lower than them. And neither one mm-hmm. of those is as far satisfactory answer to your point yeah. of yeah. am I working seven hours a week but not seeing the the results from a wealth point of view or from a monetary yeah. compensation point of view. Yeah. So yeah, I think the, the billing's a great place to start. Where what other I think yeah. it's also interesting that you we're talking both internal processes and external. Mm-hmm. Are your employees, you know, are are you hearing a lot from them when you think about that 45 seconds that you're yeah. taking that time of, of like, boy, you know, I do hear from my 
my staff a lot that XYZ is frustrating to them. But it's all, and it's also an external. I also, yeah, yeah, you know, my client, my clients always talk about what a pain it is to um, have to sign the documents the way that I send them. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I need to look into that. So, like, I think it run, runs the gamut, right? Of mm-hmm. from right from that client intake and and how we're taking in our clients mm-hmm. to the very end, the billing. So yeah. Let's make the assumption like, okay, phase one, step one, we, we've done that collective, you know, Zen moment of, of thinking how mm-hmm. uh, on the business and where my um, real kind of bottlenecks are. Now, what's the next step after that? That's something I've done in, let's say we take all of August and we've yeah. determined yeah. I need to do X, Y, Z before the, the start of, so I can hit the ground mm-hmm. running Jan 1, 2023. What, what do you, what should firms be thinking about doing next in this sort of, you know, logical yeah. process? So I like to uh, take my my problems that I'm uh, trying to solve and put them into buckets. Because when you can put things into buckets, you can find the right software that's appropriate for the bucket. Trying to solve every little thing separately, it creates a, uh, a system of software, a system of processes, a system of just checklists that don't actually talk to one another. And it creates a whole different set of issues. So. Uh, sort of high level buckets that I like to think of here is um, the amount of time that I'm working versus the amount of money that I'm receiving myself or I'm able to pay my employees, right? So my billables bucket, how much money am I taking in? Does that seem fair for the amount that I'm able to take out of the business, right? I also have a bucket for happy customers. And exactly what you just said, Scott, are there roadblocks when people are trying to sign documents? Are there gaps in this process when I'm trying to take someone from consultation to client to actually servicing them and getting their work product done and resolving their matter, however that happens to be. I have a separate third bucket for employee and personnel issues. Very frequently, those issues can also be solved (laughs) when we handle those other roadblocks. Um, And then, yeah, and then law firm growth, right? Because growth is not always managed, um, or we don't always think about it in terms of how much money we're making. Are we able to hire new people? Are we able to attract and retain new clients? Um, Are we getting the referrals that we need here? Is our rating on Avo or whatever system we happen to care a whole lot about? Is that where it needs to be? Um, So law firm growth can be managed in a lot of ways, but those are sort of four things. Billables, client happiness, personnel happiness, and then law firm growth. So you can think of law firm happiness, right? Um, Once I get those things figured out and I can figure out my buckets, the very next step is to start the research and go into my evaluation. So let's just say all of our folks that are listening are really up to date on our podcast and they listen on a weekly basis and they're really happy, right? So somewhere in the neighborhood of August, (laughs) you need to start doing your evaluation, right? Start looking at what systems are potentially going to be a good fit for you. Hire um, or at least start interviewing consultants. If you have a larger firm, please hire a consultant if you have a larger firm. and start doing that very first level larger, research. Sorry yeah. to interrupt there, but it, yeah. you know, a larger firm means something, you know, can mean a whole lot of different things. What would you constitute yeah. of a firm size that warrants, hey, I need to bring in a consultant who specializes in helping law firms like mine, you know, yeah. um, be successful? Yeah. So uh, it, when I say larger, it really does depend on what type of service that you need, right? Um, so let me back up and say a consultant can be extremely valuable if it is worth 
their time and your time uh, to offload that evaluation and just trust what they tell you, right? If you are so overwhelmed that you don't have time to do a good evaluation, hire a consultant, even if you're solo. If you can make it work, do it, right? I say once you get into a 50 user firm and above, you should absolutely have a consultant working for you. And maybe it's your MSP, that group that's already doing a lot of your IT work. Maybe you've just offloaded some of that initial evaluation to them. That's fine. But if you are at least 50 users, you should have someone who is dedicated to managing uh, this process for you. So we've, you know, that should happen, what, September, roughly, you know, like, yep. like, and what other channels? Okay, if hiring yep. a consultant maybe isn't like, hey, I, I just, I don't have the inclination to do that, I like to do, sure. what are the other places to sort of find the solutions? Like, should it be, hey, just do a Google search, reach out to my network, go to your um, state bars, you know, PMAs, um, yeah. you know, all of the above, maybe? I mean, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I'd say all of the above. So, um, you know who I use, who I used to absolutely love, who people just don't take advantage of enough, is their malpractice insurance. Call your malpractice insurance. They are literally paid to give you good advice. <laughs> call them. You don't have to avoid talking to them. They're not going to raise your rates if you give them a call, but please call your malpractice insurance. That's one. Um, also, I encourage everyone to be part of a network. I don't care if it's a Facebook group, a LinkedIn group, whatever it happens to be, be part of a network. Maybe it's just a, an alumni group from your law firm and you wanna throw it out there and say, hey guys, I am interested in software. Uh, what do I need to do? How, how, you know, what have other people experienced, right? That's a great way. Um, and if you wanna remain completely anonymous, um, uh, don't go to Twitter, don't go to Facebook, and instead go to Reddit. There are a mm -hmm. lot of really fantastic, incredibly active lawyer, law firm, legal tech subreddits that are available to you where you can anonymously post whatever you want to post and ask the dumbest question that you need to ask, and no one will judge you. And you'll get some really good advice from people who have, uh, you know, no, um, no skin in the game. They'll just right. tell you what they've experienced. I think what's impressed me the most about somebody who hasn't, you know, I, I haven't been in the legal sort of space as long as you have is um, I'm really impressed with the support systems in place for lawyers. Like it, to me, like if you, if you are finding it a challenge to, you know, find the right solutions and so on, it's kind of on you because there is really a lot of resources out there between your bar associations, these yeah. really active communities that, that you just described you know, consultants, um, you know, and I love the idea of talking to the malpractice insurer that you have, um, you know, that's, you know, again, they're there to support you because you, your success, your success is absolutely their success. Right. right. Um, so, so that happens, you've made your evaluation. It's, it's September. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, if we want to use the analogy, this is like a recovery process. Step one, you've admitted you have a problem, right? Yes. Um, yes. You said need help. Um, yes. You've done any research on, you know, the, you, you know where to go to look and found your help. So what should happen after, after that, as we progress towards our um, hallelujah moment of Jan 1? <laughs> yes. Okay. So you do your evaluation, um, you go to your support systems, you get your answer, you start having the conversations with the providers that are just your very top level 
uh, providers. Folks, you are not required to go down an entire evaluation with everyone. It matters how you feel in that first conversation. It matters it how they respond to the questions. If you feel comfortable that they are talking to you about your actual firm, then continue talking to them. If they're only concerned about making a sale, they're probably not the folks that you need to be talking to anyway. Uh, and I say that as someone who's done a lot of legal sales, right? <laughs> and so I don't want to take sales away from anybody, but really they need to be talking to you about your specific um, uh, problems that you have. Those conversations should not begin any later than the very first week in October. By the okay. end of October, if we want to stay on track to have real processes in place to have a successful firm in January, by the end of October, you need to have narrowed down your solutions to your top three and probably your top two, right? That's where that has to go because you need to make a decision come November. You don't necessarily have to make a buying choice in, this, in November, but by your first, second week of November, before Thanksgiving, you need to say, this is what I'm going to do. So um, there's a lot to cram in, guys, between August yeah, <laughs> and yeah, the first yeah. of November. Let's talk about, I think there's there's yeah. two big kind of hidden things we haven't even d discussed yet um, when it comes to the actual purchase decision on that timeline, yeah. November, December. One is um, the impact on your bottom line from a tax point of view. That's and right. The, the other one is um, the timing of your purchase. Um, it, and you'll maybe explain why, like November, December are really good times of year to purchase mm -hmm. um, software and tools that will help help your business. So let's let's start with like the imp implications. And I'm hopefully if yeah. you're, you're savvy enough as a firm owner to understand like you know what it means. Like, hey, if I'm going to make a purchasing decision November, December, what that means to my uh, my tax, uh, taxable income and so on. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> everyone needs to just always maximize your deductions, maximize your deductions, maximize your capital expenditures that you can, uh, write off at least at some rate, right? Go through and figure out every penny that you can check off of your tax statements. Um, Part of that is making investment in software. You can say it is a capital expenditure, it's a business expense, whatever it happens to be. But uh, there are a couple things that can happen at the end of the year. One, uh, every software company will always give you good deals at the end of the year. That is just the way that it happens because their business is too, and they want their bottom lines to reflect a, a surge of, of new clients at the end of the year. It's just built into the software industry. So uh, you'll get a good deal. Uh, you'll probably be able to get an even better deal if you subscribe to an annual package versus a monthly subscription. So you can maximize your savings there, uh, minimize the amount that you would have to pay over the next 12 months, and then write that amount off in whatever way you're going to write it off. Right. So it's good for you. It's good for them. It's a win-win for everyone at this point. Uh, but I'll tell you, if you start evaluating now, you can be in the best possible position to make that choice. November, December. The other piece of this, Scott, and why it's important to do this now versus in January is because with every software, there's, there's an implementation period. I you need to just, pull data. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. It's the same page, right? Well, now yeah. I'll throw it back to you, Scott. What do you, uh, what do you <laughs> specifically want to talk about here? <laughs> migration, 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 right? Migration, I mean, migration, migration. You can't yeah. underestimate that there's, there is a window of time for you know, and we can use implementation as the kind of overarching term, but it's including data migration and mm 
training of staff and personnel and so on um, that will always take more time than you think it might just mm -hmm. flat out. Um, yeah. So you got to build that into this this whole process so that, you know, you might think, God, I'm, you know, I'm signing on the dotted line on and it's November 10th. That really seems super early. It's like, no, that's that's right on schedule. If you know you because of the time to analyze like what data is actually going to move over. Um, we could yeah. do, and we probably will at some point do a whole podcast on migration pitfalls, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, but implementation, onboarding, all of that, your staff feeling comfortable, you feeling comfortable with the new tools that you're, you're going to be using um, so that Jan one isn't the, that's not the leaping off point of like, you know, getting into it. This, that's the actual, I am in the tool. I understand and I'm using it January one yeah. at its full capacity. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, you have to pull that data over. You have to do your training and it always takes longer than you think it will. It always does. <laughs> you know, I like to tell people that to come to a typical SaaS uh, platform, if migration's done in-house with a professional services team, you can have a functional system in three weeks, a month, somewhere in that neighborhood. You cannot do that and fully train your staff on that, on your system in that same amount of time, right. you have to have uh, additional time on the back end once you have a built system. That's just the nature of it. Um, so it's it, it can absolutely be challenging, but um, we know you've got to think about it now. We know you've got to do your evaluation. We know you have to come to a decision. We know we have data and migration. Why does it matter if we do this on January 1? Like, what's the big deal, right? And that takes us all the way back to the beginning of this conversation. Well, you know, better you, better me, better firm, better life, right? Uh, that's part of it. But there's also the business aspect of this. When you are running your bills and you are invoicing your clients and you are tracking what you are doing as a firm, it is so much easier for you to do this if all of that data needs to come out of the same system at the end of the quarter or the, or the end of the year. If you want to be able to have taxes that are easy to do, if you want to have reports that are easy to run, you need to be in a system at the beginning of your fiscal year. And for most firms, that just happens to be January 1. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah. No, I think that we've hopefully given everybody a, a, that golden nugget of advice here um, on, on our podcast. That's probably um, time-wise a good place to, to wrap up. We try to keep these short and sweet if we can. So um, a lot of action items that, that can be had. Um, and I think it's if you take one thing away from this today, it's like start now in thinking yeah. about things um, because you'd be surprised how the days get away from us. I mean, it's already almost the end of July when we're recording this podcast, right? So we're, we're it's, it's spent, maybe it's because I live in Minnesota and the summer's always short. It's like, oh my God, it's already like almost the end of July, but that's sort of the point. So um, Joyce, thank you as always. Um, your expertise, your insights are, are incredibly valuable. Um, thank you to our listeners. We appreciate uh, your comments, your feedback, um, help make this podcast a, a winning podcast. So everybody have a great day. Thank you for listening to the game plan, a playbook for winning law firms, and we'll catch up to you next time. Thanks everybody.